Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Body of Christ Church, and you are listening to our program, From Darkness to Light, where we wage war against the servants of darkness and spiritual wickedness at work in today's world. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, we fight to spread the true gospel of Jesus Christ to those overtaken in the sins of witchcraft and occult practices. Join us each week on our mission to fulfill the words written in the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Throughout the ages, poets 
and philosophers have mused about the nature of names and the effect they have on the holder. Some names were considered mundane, while others were considered sacred. Some names were known openly, while others were shrouded in secrecy. For it was widely accepted in the old world that the name of a thing was the key to understanding and manipulating its power. By today's standards, these notions may appear to be nothing more than superstitious jargon. To the ruling elite of this world, the power of naming is much more. It is the secret weapon in an age-old war against the people of God, which they believe allows them to change their destiny and the course of human events on planet Earth. Join us today for another installment of From Darkness to Light as we look beyond science and superstition to find salvation in the name above all names, our Lord Jesus the Christ. So, here we are once again from darkness to light. I'm your brother Gadawan, and we're going to bring you another educational, biblical, bringing the light into the darkness, lighting up the darkness, and bringing salvation to the lost. And without further ado, as usual, we have our honored guest, who used to be part of that elite, and knowing the power of names, still knowing the power of names, but knowing the power of the true name. I give you the brother Akrai. Shalom to all the listeners, and giving all praises to the Heavenly Father in Christ again to do another edition of From Darkness to Light. The topic that we're going with tonight is a topic that's very important about the power and the name. And the reason why this is such an important topic is because a lot of people don't understand it as they should. When you look at what people do today as far as how they name children and how they name places, or even understanding the names that they have taken upon themselves, there's a great deal of misunderstanding of what true power lies behind that. So just to give you a, a brief history of some things, like it says in the synopsis, some names were considered mundane, other names were considered sacred. For example, even in the biblical text, the name of the Most High God, the YHWH, was at one time included in the scriptures before later it was decided that that name was too sacred to be uttered and it was removed and replaced by words like God or Elohim or things of that nature. So you look, it was always a great deal of reverence and respect for certain names as opposed to others. When you look at mythological lore, certain names were secret as far as magical names. I think that one of the most famous stories that people will relate to immediately is a fairy tale. And which fairy tale do you remember was very, very important about the names, Godwin? Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin. And that's just a classic example 
of how the old world really looked at names and the power behind the name. The name was more than just your identity and who you were. It was linked to your destiny, linked to your power, linked to everything about you. And especially dealing with the magic of names, people knew that if you can find that name, that you had a way to control and manipulate others, which well, is how they came to the name of places, people, things, everything. Keeping with the from darkness to light thing, knowing the name of demons. You know the well, demon's name. It is possible and, to control the demon. And that's bringing, and that's going to bring us into a really important part of this show, and I'm glad you actually said that because it's the preview into what one of the major things we're going to be dealing with today. When you look at the darkness to light part of it, as far as demonology was concerned, when you look at the mages and sorcerers and necromancers of old, they wanted to deal with the spirit world to control the physical world. So what they did was they, through their secret and satanic arts, they learned the names of certain demons. And by learning that demon's name, it gave them the power to conjure them to this world and and treat them for secret knowledge, if you will. But what happened is, as the time went on, you had so-called biblical scholars and so-called men of the Lord who practiced this same demonology under the guise of communing with the spirits of the Most High. One of the most noted, of course, would be the art of Kabbalah, where through numerology and all measures of witchcraft, they have invoked so-called names of angels to give them power in this world, which is all a lie and a farce. And as we go on in this show, we're going to show how the so-called Kabbalarian philosophy of naming is one of the major forces on the forefront as far as naming rituals and the power of names and finding ways to name your children. So without further ado, I'd like to jump right into the scriptures and get into the meat of one of the things that the scriptures showed us about why that power and ability to name is so important. And, of course, what is the first example that you see in the Holy Bible of the power of names. Yep, well, if you look in the scriptures, you wouldn't have to go far because it's right in the book of Genesis. The first example you see of the power of naming in the scriptures is with Adam because when you look at the beginning of all things, the Lord created the heavens and the earth, the first day all the way through to the sixth day he was creating, And on that sixth day, when man came forth and Adam came forth, the Most High confirmed the power and authority of Adam over the world by giving him the authority to name. So I'm going to read that in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, starting at verse 19 and reading to verse 23. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowls of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. 
And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And so when you look at that, it goes into how the Most High brought Adam and how he brought every single creature on the earth to Adam to see what he would call them. And why is that? It was symbolic of the authority that Adam had over every single creature on planet Earth. And to prove that, we can stay in the same stay in the same book. And when you look in the same chapter, chapter two, and let's see what I want. No, it's just actually it's the same verse. We did read it. And when it goes into verse nineteen how he was going to make, give him give him dominion over it all, because everything there belonged to Adam. And from the grass, the seeds, the trees, everything, he had dominion over it all. So by the time you get down to the creation of woman, one of the things that you notice as well, and this is one of the conversations that we had before, is the fact that he even named Eve. But what I was actually looking for, that was Genesis one twenty six. so you can put that one in the chat room. But in Genesis 1 and 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and in the, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl and over, of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So when you look in, also in verse 28, And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowls of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So with that authority and with that dominion that the Most High gave to Adam, he also told him that to sim- as a, sim- a symbol of his power and authority over the whole world and his dominion over every creature on the earth, the Lord didn't even name, the Most High God didn't even name the creatures. What did he do? He brought the creatures to Adam to see what he would call them. And the scriptures say whatsoever Adam called it, that's what it was. Why? Because he was given the power and authority from God on high to name it. And even when you look at that same chapter, one of the secrets that you read further down is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22 and 23. I'll read it again. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So even when you look at woman, the Heavenly Father didn't come down and say, Adam, I'm bringing you woman. Adam saw her and said, she shall be called woman because she was taken from man. So even the woman was named by Adam, symbolizing his authority. And although there be feminists out there who may disagree with that, it's still confirmed also in the New Testament when you get to 1 Corinthians 11 chapter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3, it reads, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, 
and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. And when you read verse 8 and 9 in the same chapter, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 8 and 9, it reads, For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. So you look at that, and once more, in order to understand that, the understanding is not in 1 Corinthians the 11th chapter. The understanding is right in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, Genesis, beginning with Adam naming every creature on the planet, including woman. So that is an understanding and a secret and mystery to most people that are on the face of the earth right now as far as just how much power and authority were linked in the fact that he was given rulership and dominion over all things and the power to name all things. But it's not a power that is lost on the elite of this world who fully understand it and fully manipulate it even to this very day. Right. Let me um, read this scripture. This is... um... It's in that second chapter of Genesis, and this is the 15th verse, and it says that the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So it was given to to Adam to oversee. He was that first shepherd to watch over everything, but it was all given to him. All right, everything belonged to him. And you see that power of naming early in the scriptures, even when you look at how the Most High named people, and how the Most High changed names. You have examples in the scriptures with the Most High name. Like when you look at Abraham in the book of Genesis, the Most High changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And when you look at the name, even the names, the names weren't just names. People didn't have names in the past the way people name people today where they just throw words together or throw letters together to see how it sounds. Abram meant exalted father. And when his name was changed to Abraham, it meant father of many or father of the multitude. So it was symbolic of the promise and the covenant that the Most High was going to make with him that he was going to be the father of many nations. When you look at Jacob, whose name meant to supplant, who the Most High also made his covenant with, his name was changed to what? Israel, Israel. Meaning, meaning that he is a prince of the power or he is a prince of God. And when you look at that, that was a gift given by the Most High to him. It was a blessing. He asked the angel, and we're going to read that later on, he asked the angel for a blessing, and he, he got a new name. So that just shows you what a blessing it is to have a righteous, powerful name because that's something that people in this world sorely, sorely lack. And when you look in the scriptures, it wasn't a joke. The names that people had had meaning. It wasn't just something that's thrown together because you like the sound of the syllables. So other examples that you have in the scriptures, when you look at it historically, when you look in the book of Genesis, there are few names in Genesis that are just thrown together there haphazardly. And I know that a lot of people, when you read the scriptures, you can look at genealogy and say, okay, well, the genealogy, that gets a bit boring. It's a bit redundant. Let me just bypass it or just read down. But there are secrets in the book of Genesis just in looking at the names. And I don't want to just use the word secret as in, like, 
the occult version like, oh, this is esoteric knowledge or anything like that, because it's not. It's more so along the lines of studying to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Why? Because if you look at the scriptures, the scriptures tell you what it means. In the book of Genesis chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it talks about the generations of Noah all the way down. And verse 24, And our fact said, begat Salah, and Salah begat Eber. And unto Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. So you look at those names, Eber and Peleg, those names weren't just thrown there haphazardly. Those names meant something. If you look at the name Peleg, it says, for in his days was the earth divided. The name Peleg meant division. Why? Because what was happening on planet Earth at the time that he was born? When he was born? Nations were divided. The nations were divided. The, the nations were divided at the Tower of Babel. The mm-hmm. Lord divided the nations at the Tower of Babel when he scattered their languages and divided them. Even the name Eber was still commemorating that event because the name Eber meant to cross over or from the past. And when you look at that, that was the derivative of the word Hebrew, showing you that the people who kept that language were the people of the Lord made the covenant with prior to and after the Tower of Babel. So knowing these things in the scriptures and seeing the names, you understand that the names were not just thrown together haphazardly. The names had historical significance. The names had meaning as far as the Lord's covenant. The names had meaning as far as the power and authority that the Lord was going to give to them. It was nothing that was just by chance. And as you see in the scriptures, some names became a blessing. Other names were more like a curse. And there's one person that I think of when I think of the scriptures where I think of like, oh, he was, if you will, poorly named, was Nabal in the book of First Samuel. <laughs> so for the people who are not familiar with the book of First Samuel, during this time, King David, before he was crowned king, was a servant of King Saul, who was the first king of Israel. King Saul, when he disobeyed the Lord, the spirit of the Lord was taken from him, and he was given an evil spirit in his place. So in his madness and in his rage, he desired to kill David. So David had to run and flee into the plains, into the hills, into the mountains, wherever he could be to get away from Saul. And on his journey, he ran across the land that belonged to a wicked, evil, son of Belial man named Nabal. And Nabal treated David wickedly and treated him poorly to the point where David was actually about to go and slaughter this man. And Nabal's wife, Abigail, entreated David for mercy for her husband, and she reminded him that he was a righteous man and asked him not to move in that direction. But this is what Abigail said to David when they actually spoke. This is 1 Samuel chapter 25. I'm going to read verse 23 to 25. And when Abigail saw David, she hastened and lightened off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said unto him, and fell at his feet and said, Unto me, my Lord, 
unto me let this iniquity be. And let thy handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience, and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But in thine handmaid saw not the young man of the Lord whom thou didst send? So she was saying, don't regard this man Nabal. He's a son of Belial. Basically, he's a son of the devil. But remember the good deeds that happened when I sent the young men to give you food and drink. So when she said Nabal is as his name because folly is with him, because the name Nabal, when according to biblical scholars, they interpret it as fool. What the name truly means is to wilt or to wither or to come to ruin. So he was named Failure. That was his name. So can you imagine having a child and naming them to wilt or to come to ruin or to wither or to come to failure and later being interpreted as fool? Wow. So just think of how that is. Here it is, you have a child that's born in the world, and they say, okay, what are we going to name the child? Oh, let's name him failure. That's what they would be the equivalent of. Mm. And when you look at the scriptures, Knowing the power that was in the names, knowing how the Most High named and how the Most High gave Adam the power to name, knowing that all the names had significance and power behind them, why would you do that? To Why would you do that to someone? Where even Abigail had to come and say, he is as his name and folly is with him. Now, we know that people that follow the so-called Kabbalarian philosophy, they firmly believe that your name is who you are and that you're pretty much born into it, stuck with it, defined by it, and ruled by it. But as we go on, we're going to show that the power of the Most High through Christ and ultimately repentance is what controls our destiny, not the syllables and sounds of our name or the positioning of the letters. We have the power through the Spirit of the Most High in Christ to repent and to overcome the base natures that are within us regardless of what our names are. But when you look at what happens in this world with the way people are named and how they are named, it just shows you that it just reeks of foolishness and in some ways cruelty. So let's play our first clip of the night where we're going through a news clip about the baby's bad names and the names that people name their children today and just how foolish it is and how Intrusive and hurtful it can be to the children. And, and before I play that, um, Akari, that that naming and stuff shaping your destiny—that sounds familiar, like a show we did on astrology. Like your astrology sign is gonna shape and fit your um, your destiny in subtle evil astrology. So it's that same kind of wickedness that's being promoted. And. Interesting that you should make the connection between this naming and astrology is because one of the other parts of the Kabbalah or Kabbalarian philosophy is the fact that they can take the name combined with your birthday to find your true destiny. So mm. you're not so you're not wrong at all when you say that. In fact, it just goes right back to one of the continuing themes that we have on this show is that sin is a snowball effect. 
it starts in one place, but it takes you to very many others and very, very dark places indeed. Okay, we're going to... Bad baby names. So what's in a name? Some babies are named after their parents, others a biblical figure. But for a chosen few, their name can mean a lifetime of bad jokes or worse. The faces may look the same, but the names have definitely changed. My name is Mike. From Apple to Rumor to Brooklyn, Hollywood's leading couples are leading the way when it comes to bizarre baby names. Apple, Coco, Mocha. I mean, are we naming our children or are we opening a coffee shop? According to celebrity blogs, daddy-to-be Matthew McConaughey wants to name his baby Bud in honor of, you guessed it, his favorite beer. Other Hollywood baby standouts, Moxie crime fighter, pilot inspector, even audio client. So whatever happened to Peter, Paul, and Mary? Many parents today are daring to be different. Well, my husband chose Jackson after he went to a Jackson Pollock exhibit. Well, Lexi's mom and I wanted to pick a name that was somewhat global. We didn't want a name that was, like, extremely common. But before you make your child's lifelong name a life sentence, think it through. When you meet people, introduce yourself using your child's new potential name. See how people react. Hey, baby, hey, baby, hey. And Michael Sherrod of Ancestry.com is the co-author of the book, Bad Baby Names. Michael, good morning to you. Good morning. Where'd you find the names now? Well, we went on Ancestry.com's census database, and we searched for names based on categories like the seven deadly sins, sandwich fixings, whatever, and we verified the names against the actual census record. And I think of kind of crazy names as a, a current phenomenon, but not at all. These date oh. back years and years and years. Yeah, these go back to 1790 up to 1930, so it's been a long time people have been naming their babies something unusual. Let's take a look at some of these categories, beginning with one you mentioned, kids named after the seven deadly sins. These names are bizarre. You have Lust Garden, Reed Sister Mancini, Sloth Washington, Rath Gordon, Envy Berger, Pride Saint. Why would anybody name their their kid after a, a sin? Well, biblical names are very, very, very popular through all decades, all years. And uh, the seven deadly sins are in the Bible, as are the, the virtues. So a lot of people name them. And these names are not unique. For instance, we found 149 lusts, 70 greeds, uh, 12 sloths, 24 wraths. Any gluttony? No gluttony is unusual. We, we have a theory about that. Yeah, why would you think? Well, we believe that, that gluttony was just a little too heavy with too many syllables. All the other sins have one or two. Gluttony has three. So why would you name your child after sins in the scriptures? You well, might as well gluttony. name him adultery. Not gluttony, though. It's got three syllables. <laughs> just, yeah, gluttony. I know some people I could name gluttony. Mm -hmm. but. But that's a bad joke. Mm -hmm. But the point is, you got that's that naming your child wrath, sloth, envy. Why not name them sodomite, murder, and adultery? Mm -hmm. Because that just goes to show you the foolishness that people are doing to their children. Now, knowing what we know about how the Most High used names and how the Most High used it as a blessing, and even when you look at the examples in the scriptures where people were blessed with new names. Why would you do that to your children? 
One of the things that even my own mother used to say, she would talk about, that was like her pet peeve, people that had horrible names. And she would say, like, well, if you're a parent, your name is like one of the first gifts you give to your child. And you have to give them something that's proper. When you look at the um, same the same group, Kabbalah and philosophy, one of the things that they say about baby names, and this is just letting you know their philosophy, not the scriptures, it says your baby's name will define who they are. Choose carefully. What you name your infant boy or girl will have profound effects on their development in their mind, personality, career path, self-confidence, and much more. Why leave it to chance? Get an instant analysis of the list of names, or even better, our convenient baby name recommendation. Newborn Package offers valuable insights to the meaning of baby names and makes excellent name recommendations. So their thing is, oh, don't leave it to chance. We're going to show you how to have a balanced name and how this name is going to affect what? Career path, self-confidence, personality, development of your mind. And then you just have to sit back and say to yourself, no, that's not what we're dealing with. What we're dealing with is not the metaphysical witchcraft aspect of it, but what we're dealing with it is the fact that the Most High gave it as a blessing, number one, and how that blessing was meant to have a meaning as to your life, not to demean it. So when you look at people naming their children lust or envy or wrath, and especially who are the people on the face of the earth right now today who just are horrible when it comes to naming their children, it's black people. Because we just make up anything that sounds uh, pleasing to your ear, anything that you have, they have this whole thing about a ghetto name. No, it's not just a ghetto name. It's just a horrible name. And this is a sad, sad story. But one time I did volunteer work at a shelter. And when I did, I was working in this, um, this shelter, and when we were doing this volunteer work, and one of the things that we did, we were making care packages for children that were in orphanages and children that were in foster care. And there were little bags and or bags that had the children's name on them, and we had to mix and match the things like, okay, they needed shoes, okay, they needed coats or something like that. If you saw the names on those papers, you sit back, and you might even believe in Cavalarian philosophy because those children had names that made you think that they were just cursed. It was mm. the most foolish combinations of names, Travius, Contravius, Quintrellius, Mitrellius. I mean, it was just like Boomquisha, Shamquisha, Laquinia. I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? And you just sat back to say to yourself, why? Why would you do that? And it just goes to show you that the Most High, when he talks about the power that was behind it, he wasn't. it wasn't a joke. Naming your child wasn't a joke. And I have a brother that in the church, he works in the school system, and you should hear the names that people name their children. Why would you name your child Devious? When you look mm -hmm. at Nabal, Nabal was named Fool. And as you see, he was a fool. Why would you name your child Devious? Why would you name wow. your child? Why would you name your child Diablo? Diablo means devil. That would be the it's, same as naming your child Satan or adversary. It's not hard to um, understand that concept. Hosea four and six says that 
my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because they reject knowledge and because they rejected the knowledge, what are the scripture says that he was going to forget their children. So you have children that's that's having children and they don't have any kind of uh, foundation to rule and guide their life. So they just come up with, you know, it's like comic books, you know, well, putting speaking, the names together. Speaking of comic books, one of the things that happened, you may remember a few years back um, in Venezuela, they were going to pass a ban for things you, you could name your children because people were naming their child Superman and Batman. Hmm. Now, I know that that just sounds funny, but you said comic books. Here you here you introduce yourself to somebody. What's your name? I'm Superman. Mm-hmm. Oh, who are you? I'm Batman. Imagine that on a on a job application, Superman and Batman. No, Your Majesty. <laughs> exactly, and even um, Queen Latifah. That that was one. Kadar uh, Kadar shared that one with me the other day. Talking to Kadar, he was like, "Yes, Queen Latifah." That was a that was a child's first name. Her name wasn't first name wasn't Queen. Middle name Latifah. Her first name was Queen Latifah. Mm-mm-mm. So you look at that, and it just goes to show you that people are not thinking at all. And I mean, I could go through the whole list because I actually had a list. I mean, I had a list with a whole show. Uh, we talked about, you know, they talked about a child named Lust. How about a, a female name Exotica? Mm. Or Sexier. That sounds like a stripper. Or or a female named Sexier. What? And these are things not made up. And you talk about trying to get your children not to be criminals and things like that. Why would you name your son Tony Montana? Yes, mm-hmm. Tony Montana Scarface. So it just goes to show that the name he is a prince of God, that is totally gone now. Because now we have... Devious and Diablo and Exotica and Wachovia and Damonique and Arangelo and Lamangelo and Superman and Batman and Tony Montana and Demon and all these things. Why? Because people are crazy. And the things that should have been a blessing to their children become a curse. It's not only, you know, minds of people have been corrupted on the earth. It's the vibration that's on the earth now is is a satanic one. So these names appear to be fun. They appear to be different, something that's outlandish, but not, you know, not really knowing the harm that it's going to cause. Exactly. And you brought up that whole thing about that satanic vibration. People should think about it when they start naming children. You know, like people look back and say, okay, I'm going to name my son after an African king. Uh, I want to name him Hannibal. And you turn around and say, "Okay, Hannibal. Okay, and Hannibal. Pride, Hannibal. I'm a. I'm. He was the great African general. He was a military genius. And yeah, you ever. You even said it already. What does the name Hannibal mean? It means Hannah Ball. When you break it in half, it shows you what it is. Hannah means joy. Ball is the Sidonian god, also known as Bel in the scriptures." which was worshipped during the time of Daniel, also known as Baal, which was worshipped through the the, um, African nations that our people fought for centuries. And it was also the same 
golden calf that the Israelites worshipped on the bottom of the mountain. So that demon had followed us all throughout history. But people don't know that because they don't study. So when you read in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, it talks about Jacob and how he received that name of Israel. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone and wrestled, a man, wrestled there a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. So Jacob told this angel that he was not going to let him go until he received a blessing. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob hmm. called the place Peniel and said, for, you, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So even in that, you look, Jacob asked for a blessing. He asked for a blessing, and what did he get? A new name. He is a prince of power. Mm. So does that give you an indication as to how important a name is and how powerful a name can be, being that he received this new name, which was a blessing, and that name meant that he was a prince of God and how that name was going to be the name for God's chosen people on the planet Earth? So with a name that powerful and a name that much of a blessing, shouldn't it make people think twice about the thing that they name their children? Of course. And even when you look at some names which were not known, he asked the angel his name, and the angel was like, I'm not telling you my name. And you read the same thing that happens in the book of Judges where Samson's parents spoke to the angel and asked him his name. And that was also in the book of Judges, chapter 13, verse 15 through 18, when you read about Manoah speaking to the angel, that Manoah was the father of Samson. And Manoah, this is Judges, chapter 13, verse 15. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread. And if thou wilt offer a burnt offering... Thou must offer it unto the Lord, for Manoah knew, for Manoah knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is thy name, that when thy sayings shall come to pass, we may do thee honor? And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why askest thou after my name, seeing it is secret? Mm. So that just lets you know that some names were not even meant for us to have or to know. Mm. Like the angel wouldn't tell Jacob his name, and the angel that you read about in the book of Judges wouldn't tell Sam Samson's parents his name, Noah. And why is that? Because they knew that people would do the same foolishness, wickedness, and evil that they're doing now in the so-called Kabbalah, taking 
so-called names of angels and treating angels, making angelic symbols, conjuring spirits of angels to watch over people, like the scriptures talk about the voluntary worship of angels that people are being beguiled into accepting, it's mm-hmm. all witchcraft. And that's why when you look at what these angels are doing, what did the angels say to Manoah? If you do make an offering, you can't make the offering to me. He says if you make the offering, you can only make it to the Lord God. Mm-hmm. So and what do they do? I, I want to read this scripture. Um, this is uh, Matthews 12 and 34. It says, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So when people are given these names, it just shows what's really in their heart is that evil and, and wickedness that they have to purge out of them. Otherwise, people will continue to, to make up um, these different foolish names. They're not going to be able to come up with a, a godly name or a name that's going to bless their child, that's going to reflect the scriptures or the path or the righteousness of Christ. It's not going to be that way. Right. And since since we are going to have to really touch onto what the real mystery behind this is, we'll just bring you up to speed on a little bit more of the so-called Cabalarian philosophy of naming and how it, how they run it down. Because the people who are the elite of this world, they understand it quite well, which is why they have gone out of their way to destroy certain names and to uplift certain names and to push their name into the world. But before we build up to that, let's go into clip two, which is the Cavalarian philosophy and show some of what their doctrine is about the naming and the pattern of names. What makes Peter independent and original? Why is Ruby so expressive? Why is Terry versatile and driven by a challenge? Your mind is created by your name. Thinking patterns are measurable and understood once you have the mathematical key to name. Thinking uses language as its medium, and the key to the intelligence of language is the consistent order of the alphabet. A is always in the first position, B is in the second, C is in the third, and so forth. Each letter is associated to a number by its never-altering sequence in the alphabet. Each number, from one to nine, represents a unique quality of intelligence. Therefore, the letters of your name can be reduced to a numerical formula using the mathematical principle taught in the Cavalry Philosophy Home Study Course. The formula of a name determines the qualities of intelligence brought into form through your individual mind. Therefore, Dale is a 674 name combination. George is a 753 name combination, and Kathy, spelt with a K, is a 112 name combination. Name combinations or formulas can be either constructive or destructive. The way the numbers are combined in the name formula determines whether the constructive or destructive qualities express. Some formulas create greater mathematical balance, allowing the mind to express the constructive qualities more predominantly. These names are known as balanced names. Other formulas are less mathematically harmonious, and these names will draw more from the destructive qualities of intelligence. 
These discordant names are common and represent the weaknesses of human nature. As the physical body records the vibrational effect of the name formula, even a person's health is greatly influenced by the name. So, that is their philosophy, that if the name is out of balance, that it's going to draw upon negative characteristics, even to the point of giving you bad health, whereas a person with a balanced name and has harmonious name is going to draw upon positive qualities based upon the name. And the thing is, Godarwin, like so many aspects that we deal with on this show, dealing with different types of witchcraft, different types of sorceries, whether it be numerologies, whether it be uh, Kabbalah, whether it be astrology, all in the horoscopes and all these things that we deal with, we know that when you deal with these things through the scriptures, there's always aspects of why these things are as they are and why they work the way they work. So the thing that we have to say, and we're always careful in dealing with topics like this on From Darkness to Light, is because we tell people, listen, when people look at horoscopes and things like that and do their birthdays into whatever different types of horoscopes they do, a lot of times they come back and they say, well, wow, that's a perfect match for me. Wow, that's exactly how I am. That's exactly what I am. That's exactly how I feel, think, believe. It is perfect. It must be true. And then even with the naming rituals that they have in Kabbalah, you look at how this particular group, Kabbalarians, how they can take the name and break it apart to actually bring out the different character traits and, and reference what this person will be like as far as their personality and stuff like that. And if you look through some of those things, some of it might be spot on. But what you don't understand is the fact, number one, number one, and most importantly, as the Most High told us not to deal with different as these aspects of witchcraft and the occult and that those things were damnable and that he hates those things. And number two is the fact that through repentance and through the scriptures, the Most High tells us what our character traits are. And through mm-hmm. us adhering to the spirit of Christ, that is what forms who we are. So we're not bound by certain traits that people would like you to believe because that's the whole the whole course of this world is no accountability, which means that I'm not accountable for who I am. I'm not accountable for what I do. I'm not accountable for anything that happens because I'm the result of independent forces that are acting in the universe that I'm a slave to, whether it be I'm happen to be born under a certain zodiac sign, and my zodiac sign means that I'm going to be stubborn, hard-headed, rebellious, and stiff-necked, so that's why I don't listen to counsel, and that's why I won't listen to what you got to say. No, you're an idiot who just doesn't understand the scriptures, because the scriptures tell us how we're supposed to be. So in the same way, you can't turn around and say, well, my name is, is Bob, and because my name is Bob, that means that I'm a a uh, person that likes to be by myself, I don't get along with others, I don't play well with others, and I have an independent rebellious streak that says get away from me. That's not what we're dealing with. What right. we're dealing with is the fact that through the scriptures, we can overcome anything, whether they be preconceived conditions, whether that be anything that is perceived to be a detriment or a curse or uh, anything that is perceived to be predetermined upon you, 
you still have the power to make the decisions whether you're going to follow Christ or not. And that's what we've been teaching on many of these shows. And, um, you know, there's something interesting that you said is, you know, people are not bound by that because many people find themselves bound to it, whether, you know, it's an astrological sign or whatever. And they're like, okay, I'm, I'm this way, I'm that way. And people are looking for answers and some kind of reason reason and rhyme to how life is supposed to go. But when you deal with the scriptures, the scriptures is far more powerful in the characteristics you become because the characteristics in the scriptures is showing us the characteristics of Christ. Exactly. Where a Gemini and this and that, you're not going to have any of those evil, wicked qualities. All you're going to have is the characteristics of Christ. And the scripture says that what the Most High has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. So it's like like you were saying, you know, you're going to have the power to overcome all things, fear, aggression, malice, wickedness, jealousy, all these different things. Sometimes, well, this person is just naturally jealous. And those things are destructive within themselves. Right. Because even the example that we gave earlier about Nabal, if his name was Nabal, it's not one of those things where here it comes time for the Most High to judge him for the wickedness that he did to his brother David. So now here it is, he's in judgment, and he's like, hey, Lord, um, I really didn't have a say over whether or not I was going to treat my brother with dignity and respect or whether or not I was going to help David because my name is fool. So because my name is fool, I'm a fool. Or that was- <laughs> Even before you get to that, people have certain names. Well, this is my name. I got to keep my street credibility and this and that. I can't do the right thing because I'm, I'm Tony Montana. I got to, you know, I got to keep my <laughs> rep up. Exactly. Kid named Tony Montana. Hell, he's like, come on, you got to be kidding me. But that's exactly that's exactly the point. But when you look at why that happens, it's because, and this is really the crux. Now we can after we laid the foundation we can really get to the crux of what this show is dealing with tonight. The reason why these things are taking place is because we were given a great and glorious name, and the name that we were given as a nation was Israel. And with that name, meaning he is a prince of God, he is a prince of the power, that was a name that was the most feared name on the planet Earth. Why? because it was known and is known to this day that the covenant made with Abraham passed to his son Isaac and passed from Isaac to Jacob and from and Jacob's name being changed to Israel, that name was passed to his descendants who became the 12 tribes who are still on this earth today despite the lies and, lies and propaganda that's being taught. Many shows that we've taught, even shows that you've dealt with, um, the dialogue with the brother Katungabar, on Are You Smarter Than Your Pastor, where you went into things dealing with the 12 tribes and explained that that whole propaganda that they're gone, destroyed, don't exist on planet Earth, that's all a lie. Why is that being pushed so? Because that name is so dreadful to the nations that are on the face of the Earth. And to prove that, let's read the book of Psalms, chapter 83. Psalms, chapter 83, and I'm going to start at verse 1. And it reads, Keep not thou silent, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, 
and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. So you look at that, and that was a conspiracy that all the nations of the earth came together. That's why the Lord said that they were in this book of in this book of Psalms it says that they were confederate. What does confederate mean? It means that they came together. Mm-hmm. And this was the decision that they came together for, with one goal, and that goal was that the name of Israel be no more in remembrance. Why was it so important to destroy the name? Because in that name, that name was power. And that name we was lost the link. What's that? Say that again. Good island. Good island. Godalin. Oh, okay. I thought Godalin was saying that I was gone. Yeah, well, it looks like he's the one that's gone. All right, so I'll continue on. Thanks, Katamdabar. So the name was power, and it was a it was a great power in that name, knowing that they were Israel. So when you look at what happened in the scriptures, they had to make it they had to make a concerted effort to get rid of that name that it would be no more in remembrance. So you look at movies like Roots and things like that and Roots and Amistad and all these different things where they show what happened to the slaves. But what people don't realize is that according to Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, and many other verses in the scriptures and really the whole Bible overall shows you that the same children of Israel, the same 12 tribes that went into captivity for breaking the commandments of the Lord, one of the prophecies out of many of the prophecies is that they were going to be carried captive into all nations under the heaven, how they were going to lose their name and be subject to the curses written in Deuteronomy 28. One of those curses being, of course, going into slavery on cargo slave ships, which many many of the so-called Negroes and other so-called minorities in this, in this America and other places of the world have have fit those curses. So if you look at that nationality and you know why that name was so vital to their destruction or removing that name rather. Yeah, because you don't have any pride of yourself, you're lost. Oh, okay, we have you back too. That was was speaking. So you look Mm. at so you look at things like I brought up the point with like Roots and Amistad and yeah. all these different movies, like you see them. Here it is, you have a scene and one of the most famous scenes in the book of Roots and in the movie, the T V movie Roots is what? When Kunta Kente gets his new name. And although that was still propaganda to push the whole agenda that black people in America are Africans and Hamites and not the descendants of the children of Israel. But still in that whole scene was a great degree of truth as to how 
that process of beating it out of them took place. So what happened? He was beaten and whipped until he forsook his name and took on the name that his new master gave him. And why did that happen? It happened in line with what the scriptures tell you in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 4. And it reads, And thou, even thyself, shalt discontinue from thy heritage which I gave thee, and I will cause thee to serve thine enemies in the land which thou knowest not. For ye have kindled a fire in mine anger, which shall burn forever. So part of us discontinuing from that heritage was to discontinue from that name. So now keeping in mind the aspect of what we're dealing with with this show and the power of names, do you think that it was just a coincidence that one of the main things that they did to this people was take away their names when they enslaved them? Or knowing what we know about the power that was in the names, knowing what we know about all the witchcraft and Satanism and all the other occult knowledge that this man had, and what we read in the book of Psalms about how they were confederate and said, let this name be no more in remembrance. It just shows you the one conclusion that you can come to, that this global spell, if you will, this global witchcraft that was practiced on this group of people was done to the effect that this name would be wiped out from under heaven and that they would discontinue from their heritage forever. Mm -hmm. And the main goal of that was to cut them off from that power, to cut them off from being the princes of God, the princes of the power. But it all goes back to the same thing that we read about in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, verse 36 and 37, which was the prophecy of what was going to happen to us for our rebelliousness against the Lord. Deuteronomy, chapter 28, verse 36 and 37. And the Lord shall bring thee and thy king, which thou shalt set over thee, unto a nation, a nation which neither thou nor thy fathers have known. And there thou shalt serve other gods, wood and stone, and thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all the nations which the Lord shall send thee. So no longer were you going to be called Israelites. No longer were you going to be known as he is a prince of the power. For as a prince thou hast power and has overcome and prevailed. That name was going to be gone. And it was going to be replaced with nigger. It was going to be replaced with spick, wetback, coon, colored. It was going to be replaced with Afro-American. Well, like it was in the 70s, like, you know, the brother Kakunga always talk about, I grew up in the 60s and 70s. Well, mm -hmm. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. And when I was growing up, there was Afro-American. And then by the 80s, it was African-American because they said Afro. Well, that's just a hairstyle. We're African-Americans. And they were proud of that. And it just all was foolishness because neither one was true. We were not Africans, and we sure weren't Americans. And for all the others, it was just going right back to showing that all these proverbs, wise sayings, and bywords that were put on us were all done to the effect that this witchcraft, that this spell, that this whole evil could come upon us exactly the way the Scriptures said it would and take us away from our biblical name because there was power right. in that name. Mm -hmm. So you have... People talking about, oh, well, 
we're going around calling each other niggas, and the NAACP wants to get rid of the word nigger. The NAACP called us colored. Mm. National Association for the Advancement of Colored Persons. Now, if somebody called me colored, I mean, I've been called nigger several times in life, but if somebody called me colored, I just might cry. (laughs) So you look at that, and it just goes to show you that it was all for that same purpose that of destroying that name. So yeah, you look in the, in the scriptures, it says, um, taking your name, your name is a link to your history and to your family. You look at first Chronicles and second Chronicles, even the genealogy of, uh, of Jesus Christ, it links to your family. So that's very powerful. If you don't have your name of your family, and that was all done by design. So we're going to take our first break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss further how that whole agenda took place to destroy the name and to replace it with others and how the ruling elite of this world used the power of naming to attempt to change their destiny and the course of events on planet Earth. Oh, I've, got to, I've got to say it. I've got to bring in that. A little bit of old school. We know we're not African because we don't descend from Leo Scipius Africanus, and we know we're not American because we don't descend from Amerigo Vespucci. So oh. that's all goes back into the link with names. And we're going to go into that further when we continue. Okay, stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Brothers from the Body of Christ Church, welcome you to listen to our show, Are You Smarter Than Your Pastor, airing every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. In these difficult times, we often look to spiritual leaders for guidance and instruction in our lives. As Christians, followers of Christ, should these leaders speak from their mind or from what is written based on the Word of God? This show will examine things said by men and women claiming to be God's ministers to reveal whether or not they are speaking God's word and doing his will. 1 Peter 4 verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We hope you tune in and listen to our show. Thank you. Some people want to be saved, but they don't know. 
the Body of Christ Church cordially invites you to listen to our show, It's Time to Awake. On this show, there will be various topics presented, examined, and explained with an emphasis on the Word of God and the doctrine of repentance through His Son, Christ. This show will air every Thursday on Blog Talk Radio at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Romans 13 and 11, and that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. We hope that you join us, and may you be edified by the word of God through Christ. Shalom. And killing in this society Bodies are falling on every single side of me Rapists are running rampant So what a drug addict We're living in the last days of the final madness Teenage mothers giving birth to rebellious children Rebellious children hate their brothers And then they kill them War, earthquake, famine, pestilence Evidence, 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 evidence That it's high time to awake out of your secret state Before Christ returns to set these wicked demons straight So tune in to BlockerRadio.com Forward slash don't be alarmed, listen closely and there's one thing you will see To get your life right, repentance is the key Tune in to Repentance is the Key at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday To learn more about repentance in Christ Religion is not the answer, the Bible, the Heavenly Father, and Christ is the answer So tune in, Shalom The Body of Christ Church invites you to listen to all our programs on Blog Talk Radio. These programs are meant to edify the listener regarding repentance and good works that come to the Holy Scriptures. The weekly program schedule is Sunday at 2 p.m., Tuesday at 8 p.m., Wednesday at 7 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m., and Saturday at 9 a.m., all Eastern Standard Time. Our Spanish broadcast is at 11.30 a.m. Easter Standard Time each Saturday at blogtalkradio.com slash ICDC. Please accept our invitation to call in to our show at 646-716-7749. Your comments or questions are eagerly encouraged whether they agree or disagree with the viewpoints expressed by those involved in the program. Again, call in now Please dial 646-716-7749. Kings and priests. Comes on on Saturday at 9 a.m. We also have various shows 
Repentance is a key. That's on Friday. And tomorrow night, we got a dynamic show. Come on, it's time to awake. But we got shows that's airing seven days a week. So tune in and listen. But tonight, from darkness to light, power in the name. This is what we're talking about. The powers of names. Like I thank everyone that's called in. You got questions or comments you want to call in and speak to us? The guest calling number again is 646 716 And I thank everyone that's joining us in the chat room tonight. So without further ado, let's hand it over to our brother Akurai. Right. So before we went to the break, we were talking about the power in that name of Israel and how. It was a conspiracy to cut us off from that name forever because of the power that was in it. And just going into how the ruling elite of this world understood that certain names and certain places and certain peoples had to be renamed because of there was a symbol of authority. One of the things that we started to show with when we read about Adam, who gave Adam the authority to name all the animals and all the creatures on planet Earth? The Mosai gave him the power and authority to do that. And when the Mosai gave Adam that power and authority to name every creature on planet Earth. Even woman. Yeah, right, even woman. The scriptures showed that it was a symbol of his dominance and the fact that he was given rulership and dominion over all things. And as a ruler who had dominion over all things, it was his right to name it whatsoever he wanted to name it. And whatever he called it, that's what it was. So when you look at the European powers, when they came into the earth and when they rose up, whether it be the Greco-Roman Empire, all the way extended on to what we see today, it was always the same. They, their thing was to put forth that name and name the world because they knew and understood that in naming it, it symbolized their dominion and authority over it. Why do you think that when Alexander the Greek came into power, who they call Alexander the Great, in every land that he conquered, the capital became Alexandria? It wasn't just because, oh, he loved the name Alexander and he was pompous and proud, which all those things he were, but the deeper meaning behind it all is that by naming these lands and by changing names, what he was doing was more than just putting his stamp on it. It was a symbol of his power and authority over it forever. In Egypt today, there's still Alexandria. Why? Because his power and authority is still stamped there, although he's been gone for thousands of years. And when you look at how that works and you understand what it is, then you understand that by renaming the world and renaming the peoples, it was a symbol of his power and authority, the same thing that the Greco-Roman Empire did, the same thing that the European powers have done, the same thing that America does and has done. So they understand that power very, very well, which is why they have renamed the people that live in this land Indians or Puerto Ricans or Mexicans or your Negro or your Black or African American and all of these things because they understand profoundly the power of names and they understand that the naming ever since the dawn of time was a symbol of your dominance and your authority 
And by the subjugated people accepting those names, it was accepting the power and authority that you had over them. If I walked up to you right now, Gadawan, and said, your name is no longer Gadawan, your name is Mud, you'd probably <laughs> look at me like I'm crazy. But if I had the power to destroy your lands, kill your family and your children, you take whatever name that I gave you. Mm-hmm. And that's really what happened. Or whatever, die. Yeah, exactly. But that was obviously not the choices that were being made. Mm, no. So when you look, that's why that's why the names of everything have changed the way they've done. But when you look at that name Israel, I want to touch on something that I think is really, really important to say as far as what this show is about and really important, especially for groups like ours and other Israelite groups that are out there that are seeking to teach the Bible in truth and sincerity. When we speak mm-hmm. about the name Israel and being cut off from that name Israel, what happens is that a lot of groups out here, a lot of Israelite groups out here especially, they understand the witchcraft, they understand the satanic intent behind the changing of our names, that that name would be more no more in remembrance. So what happens is they say within their hearts, if this is the name we've been cut off from, then we have to go back to that name because salvation is in that name. And the only way back to our biblical power is through the name. So everything becomes Israel. And the same thing happened with us. Every single church we were a part of, Israelite Church of Universal Practical Knowledge, House of David, 12 tribes of Israel, why did we have to go back to that? Because we thought and we firmly believed that our salvation was linked in going back to the name, not understanding that the Most High through the Spirit of Christ gave us something far more powerful than the name, which is the Spirit of His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to prove that. So let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 3. And we're going to read what John the Baptist had to say about it, because he set a lot of people straight from the door concerning nationality and where the true power was. I'll read it for you. Okay, Matthew chapter 3, and we'll take it from verse 1 to verse 9. Okay, Matthew's third chapter in the first verse. It says, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Then went out to to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I think we lost Godwin again, so I'll read on. It's the O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So when you look at that, 
That's one of the things that John the Baptist made clear from the start. A lot of people are going to back to the saying, okay, well, we're the descendants of Abraham. We're the children of Israel. And John said from this door, you're a generation of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Why? Because he knew that although they were the so-called seed of Abraham, they were not living righteous lives. They were in their wickedness. They were in sin. They were in mischief. And that's why he told them to bring forth fruits proper and right for repentance. And don't even begin to say in your heart that Abraham is your father, because the Most High is able to raise up these stones, children to Abraham. So that was one of the things he made clear from the door, letting us know that if we're going to follow the example of those teachings, that he was bringing a message that was more powerful than just the name. What John was bringing was the glad tidings of the gospel, letting us know that the Messiah was on his way and that through him was salvation. It's nothing different. Oh, you're back? Yeah, I'm back. Okay. And that's the same message that the Lord Jesus Christ said out of his own mouth when you read in the book of John chapter 8. Did you have anything to add to um, Matthew 3 before we go to John 8? No, go ahead. So in the book of John chapter 8, verse 37 through 44, now we get to hear it from the mouth of the Lord himself. And this is what he said about Abraham's children. And it reads, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my words have no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto him, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So you look at that, and it lets you know right then and there that in this day and time, even though we know our biblical heritage and our origin, and even though we know the power of that name, and we lament because it's been taken from us, and we cry because people call us by different names, and we want the world to acknowledge who we are, don't you understand that through the Lord Jesus Christ we have something better and more powerful than that? We have repentance through him, which means that we cannot be cut off from our power. You can be cut off from your lands. How do we know that? Because we haven't seen our land since we went into slavery. We can be cut off from our land. We can be cut off from our names. How do we know that? Because our names were taken from us. We can be cut off from all those things, but we cannot be cut off from the gift that the Lord gave us through the spirit of Jesus Christ. So when you look at how that became the prevailing doctrine in a lot of the Israelite groups that we know, and even for us in the past, that's why we put it out there and let us let them know that what we're dealing with today is not going into a whole 
bash on we have to get back to our nationality or we have to get back to our biblical name or we have to get back to our true self because we know that that's where a lot of people would take this. But what we're dealing with is the same thing we always deal with with any of our shows, which is repentance. Because mm-hmm. even when we came through the doors of the church, what was the first thing we had to do? Oh, you have to change your name. Well, why do you have to change your name? Oh, you have to change your name because that's not your, that the name that you have is your slave name. That was the name that your masters gave you. You have to change your name. So that means that you couldn't be Dwayne anymore and I couldn't be Brian anymore. We had to now be something hey, else. Hey, let me put my slave name on there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you didn't even have to accept it. I can take it. I could have just been throwing out names arbitrarily. <laughs> but now people know. You told. So the whole thing is that you look at that, and that was pretty much what was told was part of our repentance. Part of our repentance was that we had to give up our worldly slave names and take on a biblical Hebrew name, and that was proof of our repentance. But is that true when you look at the scriptures? No, no, no. Timothy didn't give us his name. I mean, you can come in. You can. We say in Timothy, I'm thinking of, you can think of about fifteen names. Oh, yeah. Um, Apollo. Um, Apollo. <laughs> He's named after Apollo, and he didn't have to change his name. Nobody walked up to him like, dude, your name is Apollo. After the sun god fighting. Apollo, are you crazy? Are you crazy? You can't come into the temple being named Apollo? Yeah, and you call yourself a, a servant of Christ? When uh, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, when they approached him, they told them about Christ. The first thing they told them, was like, yo, you got to change your name. Exactly, Look, bro, you yeah. got to change your name. That ain't Look, right. Bro. Yeah, I mean, you got people in the scriptures, Timothy, Marcus, Aristarchus, and all these other names. Nobody came to them and said, hey, look, um, you, you got a Greek name. You got, you got to change that, bro. That didn't happen. But that's what we did. Why? Mm-hmm. Because, like, all these other Israelite groups, we thought that salvation was through these names. So what happened? You wound up with an entire church full of murderers, thieves, adulterers, fornicators, sodomites, wicked, blasphemous, full of envy, strife, debate, division, deceit, malignity, hatred, envy. We all had Hebrew names. And that's what it wound up being. I'm an adulterer, but my name is Gabar. I'm a fornicator, but my name is Zaquan. You know, so it was like that's what it wound up being. You wind up being a church full of wicked, base men and women who all had Hebrew names because we understood that we were Israelites, but what we never understood was repentance. So the point is, is that we have to take it to where it's supposed to be, repentance to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what brings us to repentance. That's what brings us our new name. Because even when you look at the witchcraft aspect of it and the whole Kabbalarian philosophy, they also believe in name changes. But they believe that the name changes from what you were to a more balanced name is going to change your personality. So to prove that, let's go to our third clip, which is um, the name change testimonials, where somebody actually gives their testimony based on the Kabbalarian philosophy of how they changed their name and why. All right. Excuse me, 
benefit of the name analysis was to, for me, understand myself. Why this is this is the way that I am? Why do I do these things? Why does this happen that way? And so on. But also how others are uh, acting in relation to their name. And then that way I would be able to uh, work with them to uh, understand them and pro- provide proper analysis of their situation so that I could get along better with it. When I received my name report, it helped me to uh, say, yes, those are the things that are true about my, uh, my na- about my nature and who I am. It helped me to say, uh, admit some things I might not want to admit to myself. And, and that's, the, I think, the most important part in understanding oneself is to admit those things. So that helped me tremendously. The benefit of balancing your name is uh, to stabilize, stabilize your life. And, and that certainly happened for me. I uh, had, a, had a name that was a little bit maybe harsh towards others, and I certainly found myself being more understanding and caring of others. We also changed our, our children's names. And uh, one was that our child was three, three and a half years old, and I definitely could see a change in our daughter. Our son is only six, six months old, so it wasn't as, as readily available, but you could still see a change. And my wife certainly noticed it as well. So that's somebody giving a testimony of how they went through this whole process, sent off their information with their name, their birthday, their last name, their nicknames, and they got a name report. And in the name report, it told them about the negative traits that they have and how they needed to get a more balanced name. So this man changed his name. His wife changed her name. And then they changed the names of their two children and have spoken about how by changing the name, that made a change in his personality, his wife's personality, and his children's personality. Then goes on to say that he had a name which was harsh to other people, but now he finds himself being more understanding. Does that line up with anything you see in the scriptures? No. No. He was harsh to people because he was wicked. That's why my name caused me to do bad things. So you look at that, and it just lets you know that people cannot take accountability for anything. Like, um, like Kadhafi Kadhar put names in the chat room. One of the persons that Kadhar knew was a was a boy his, who was named Devious. So he was named Devious. But did that mean that he had an excuse to go out and be a liar and deceptive mm-hmm. or? subtle or anything like that, or guileful? No, because the whole point is that we know that we are more than our names. And even though we went through the whole process of changing our names, believing that it was bringing us close to the repentance, that's not what happened. Because even though I changed my name and I'm known by Aqua or I, and you're known by the die one, and other brothers like Kakamgabar and different things like that. We were, when we came into the truth, we were wicked men with Hebrew names until we learned how to repent. When we learned how to repent, that's what changed, that's what gave us the good name. When you read the book of Proverbs chapter 22 and 1, what does it tell you in Proverbs 22 and 1? It says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor than silver and gold. 
and Ecclesiastes seven and seven and one, or Ecclesiastes seven and one, it says a good name is better than precious ointment, and a day of death than the day of one's birth. So in the scriptures, it tells you about how important it is to have that good name. And the joke is, when we talk about that repentance, there's a brother in the church, the church right now, <laughs> that no matter how many times people try to give him a Hebrew name, it never changed, and everybody knows him for what? Anthony. Mm-hmm. So the, if if there's any name that he was given, was Blog Talk Anthony. And you can tune in to on, on Tuesday, 8 o'clock, to Are You Smarter Than Your Pastor? And one of the brothers that's featured on that panel is Blog Talk Anthony. And he's been with us for over 10 years, and he never had to, had a change of name. And when you look at the fruits that the brother's bringing forth and the works that he's bringing forth, he was bringing, he's showing through his works that he has the spirit of Christ in him, and that's repentance. So no one has the right to say, oh, he has to change his name so that he can tune into the power of what it is to be an Israelite. Uh-uh because he's already part of that power through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you look at some of the things that he went through, one of the testimonies that he had was he when he went to St. Louis. We had a brother who was over the St. Louis church at the time, and that was a wicked man who was a son of Belial. He was a wicked, adulterous, fornicator, full of envy, malignity, strife, debate, whispers, deceit, and any other bad thing I can think of, that's who that man was. And he had an interesting conversation with Anthony when Anthony came to St. Louis, and he was asking him, like, well, why did your name still Anthony? Anthony was young in the faith at the time, but he still was like, well, listen, you know, I really don't have a need to change my name as long as I follow Christ. And this wicked elder went on to say, well, you know, changing your name, that's part of repentance because... When I changed my name, that meant that I wasn't the old man anymore. And now I'm the new man. And, and, and I'm sitting there now in retrospect thinking, about, you ain't never changed. He's still the same wicked heathen who he ever was worse now mm. with a Hebrew name. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it just goes to You know, it was something that uh, said in the Ecclesiastes 7, how it was a precious ointment. Mm-hmm. What were you going to bring out about that precious ointment? Yeah, Satan is really rolling on your phone today, bro. So, but I understand what a shit like we're going over today. It's one of those things. But um, I'll let you continue that thought when you get back on. But that, like he was bringing out, his name is to be chosen rather than that precious ointment. And it's a valuable thing to have that good name, especially in Christ. But one of the things that we wanted to go through, really tuning into the conclusion of the show, is going to how the ruling elite of this world have really, really tried to use that power of naming, really tried to use that understanding that they have of what it is to name, to try to really not only just shape the destiny of the people in the first phase of the earth, but actually shape the course of human events. And are you back, bro? Okay. Well, and even to shape the course of human events, you now we put some that one put some points out earlier about Amerigo Vespucci and 
Leo Scipio Africanus, and people were in the chat room asking, well, who are these people? Well, if you look at the different names that a lot of these places have, especially in the Americas and other parts of the Caribbean, a lot of the names were based on the names of whatever explorers actually came into that world and conquered those lands. You back, bro? Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Okay, um, did you want to bring out a point about that precious ointment, or should I go on? Yeah, the it speaks about you know having a good name is like a precious ointment, and when you look up ointment, it's like some it's like a almost like a medicine. So if you have a good name, you know people are going to help you. You know the Lord's going to help you. The Lord's going to remember your good deeds and the things that you've done. But most people they don't care about having a good name. You know they go to work and show up late and mistreat people and they mean and then. Now, when you need some help, you wonder why nobody wants to deal with you because you have an evil name that's attached to you. Right. And when you separated for a moment, that's when I was going into the point about how the ruling elite of this world who really truly understand the, the power of naming and how it represents that authority and dominion over the things that you name how they went forth and they tried to reshape the world in their image so that it would change the course of human events on planet Earth. They renamed whole multitudes of people and have renamed the lands that they've encountered. That's why, you know, earlier when you brought up the point about Amerigo Vespucci and Skip, Leo Scipio Africanus and things like that, a lot of people don't realize that those names, and you say it was old school. Yeah, that is old. It sounds like old school class, but it's a really important point that you brought out. Because not only are people taking on these names, they're taking on these names as their nationality. So when you look at Amerigo Vespucci coming over to the so-called New World and naming the Americas, so now you have North, Central, and South America, or the Roman general Leo Scipio Africanus, who has an entire continent named after him, after him of Africa, and you look at how they have not only named these lands, but how those names were imposed on whole entire populations. You have people, you have, you have hundreds of countries in Africa, and then you have people come up and say, "Well, hey, I'm where you, I'm African." <laughs> so, what does that do? What type of power does that have? It's a tremendous power. And the same way you go to the book of Genesis where the Lord gave Adam dominion over every creature on the face of the earth and told him to name it, and when he named it, that was symbolic of his rulership and dominion over it. What do you think it means to have whole continents named after people that are in this, in this seat of power on the planet right now today? It Absolutely means powerful. that they have... It means that they have stamped their authority and power over you and their dominion over you. And when you accept that name, it was also accepting of their rulership. And that was the power of naming that they understood that the populations did not understand, which is why when they came over, they called the people in the land Indians. And that's what they became from that point on. When they brought the slaves over in cargo slave ships, they said they were black, and that's what they were. 
We were black, or you were colored, or you were slaves, or you were niggers, or you were whatever name they wanted to put on you. And once that happened, it was symbolized and sealed their authority, and it was bound. It was bound by a satanic seal because they understood the whole ancient art and rites of naming and how it worked and what power behind it was. You're a rich port. Exactly, Puerto Rican rich port. But when you look at that, one of the things in the scriptures that explains why they changed the names the way they did, especially of the lands, let's go to the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, chapter 49, it's one verse, but it's such an incredibly important verse, such an incredibly important verse. When you look at the book of Psalms, chapter 49, verse 11, and this explains why the world looks the way it looks and why the world is named the way it's named. Psalms chapter 49 and 11. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. So what does it say? The Mosai said that this man has it fixed in his mind that his name and his house and his dwelling place is going to continue forever, being left to every generation afterwards. That is why they call the lands after their own name, as a symbol that it's theirs, it belongs to them, it's going to be passed to their descendants forever. So why is America named America? Because they're telling you it belongs to us and it will belong to us forever. And when I die and my children die, and my children's children die, it's still going to be ours because the name is never going to change. And the same thing with Africa, the same with every other place on the face of the earth that they have taken and imprinted their name upon it. That's what it's about. It's their perverse, demonic, satanic ploy that they've used to change the name of the peoples and places of the whole entire planet believing that it would shape their destiny and change the destiny of the people on the planet Earth, which is also which is also the reason why they've taken the name of Israel and branded it upon themselves with the belief, the false belief, that by somehow taking the name and adopting it, that you would also be adopting the power and the blessings that followed it. And that's obviously not happening when you look at the people who have that name today. Well, it does come with benefits because people view them differently and look at them (laughs) differently. Yes, they look at them differently and they view them differently, but the blessings and the promises they won't be able to obtain just by taking those names. No. They still fall far short in that. Yeah. They still fall far short in that. And when you look at the real proof that they understand that power and are attempting to use it to change destinies. I want you to listen to, let's take a listen to the last clip of the night, still dealing with the whole and philosophy and that witchcraft behind namings. But I want you to listen carefully to the end of the clip where they explain the power that's in these names and the power in changing the names as well. So let's listen to the last clip of the night. Is that the one where your name creates your life? Exactly. Okay. 
What happens when the keys of a piano are struck randomly without using the principle of musical harmony? Discord. When parents choose a name without understanding the mathematical principle of name, as taught by the Kabbalah philosophy, they may affect their child's future adversely. The child will reflect the lack of harmony in the name in his or her life and suffer accordingly. When you understand this principle, you will come to realize that when a name is changed, the thinking changes, and therefore the pattern of experiences also changes. Even a nickname will have a constructive or destructive influence depending upon its formula. Your name is the formula of mental energies that you translate to create your life. Once you realize that your thinking is measurable through this unique application of mathematics, you will have the secret key to understand both yourself and others. Life operates under both physical and mental mathematical laws. By understanding these laws, you can predict the actions governed by these laws. Just as the chemist understands the chemical interaction when different elements are combined, through study of the Kabbalarian philosophy, you can learn to understand the qualities of intelligence combined in any name. Although it takes study to understand the full influence of name, ordering your own personal name report will show you that your name has created your life. It will be the start of a new understanding of your life. The report takes into account all the names you use, including the first name, family name, and nicknames. But most important is the question, is your name in harmony with your inner potential, which is measured by the month, day, and year of your birth? The degree your mind will allow your inner potential constructive expression is determined by the mathematical balance and relativity of your name to your inner potential. With over 70 years of teaching, consulting, and advising, the Kabbalarian philosophy is the leading authority on the principle of name. Everything in your life is linked to your thinking. Discover the principle of how mind is created and balanced. You can become master of your destiny. It's your birthright. Wow. Well, well, well. Doesn't that always inevitably take us back to the undying point of it all? Every single show that we've ever done, and even a lot of shows that you do on Are You Smarter Than Your Pastor, when we're dealing with witchcraft, the occult, Satanism, and all of these false philosophies and agendas that are out there, it all goes back to that same satanic philosophy of the God himself and that we are God, and that same lie that the serpent told in the garden. What did he say? Your name determines who you are. Your name determines your life. And then they conclude by saying, if you learn these lessons that we teach, you can become master of your own destiny, and it is your birthright. So hmm. scriptures say out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's so no matter, no matter how much they try to dress it up and make it appealing and make it beautiful and make it righteous and make it seem like, oh, it's not a bad thing. Oh, we're not talking about witchcraft or Satanism. We're just talking about your name. Then they come right back around and let you know what was the whole goal so that you can become master of your own destiny. Mm -hmm. They can't help it. They really, really can't help it. And that just goes to show you that what we're talking about today is not just an accident or coincidence. They understand very, very intimately 
the power of the names, which is why they have gone to such great lengths to destroy ours, take it for themselves, and to reshape the world in their image. But even in doing so, they can't account for the riches that we receive through something that they have no control over, which is those who choose to turn from the wickedness of this world and repent in the name of Jesus Christ. When you look at what the scriptures were talking about as far as our true persona or what we're supposed to be, that's in the book of Galatians chapter 5. And I'll read through that because you already know it by heart, which are the fruits of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. And it reads, this is Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, under which I told you before, as I have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace. Is, I'm sorry, I miss love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So you look at that, and that's letting you know how we're supposed to be. It's not a matter of saying, oh, well, your child's life is going to be affected adversely or drastically, or he's going to suffer accordingly. Because regardless of what you were named or how you were named, it doesn't matter. Because you have the power not to choose your own destiny like they're bringing out with this philosophy, you have the power to let the Most High in Christ guide your destiny through the scriptures. And that's what we're teaching today, through repentance in Jesus Christ. And I'm about to wrap it up in a second, Godwin. Did you have anything that you wanted to bring out? Yes. Is, um, you know, people putting all their faith into these names, but when you look in Revelations, it tells you that what Christ is going to give us a new name for those that are faithful and keep the commandments and repent. And that's where it says what we he's going to make us kings and priests and we're going to reign on the, over the earth. So all these people think there's God himself and they're going to be naughty little gods like in Blade. No, you're not. So the best thing you could do for yourself is repent. And then you'll see by having faith in the true name, in the son of the Most High, then there will be some serious changes in your life. And on that same point, you brought out the point about the new name, and yes, that is written in the book of Revelations. And I'll read that. That's Revelation, it's a few, Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Mm-hmm. And it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manner." and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him 
the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. And also in Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. So you read about this new name, this precious name, this name which no man knew that saved them, that received it. And everybody's going into it, but you're not going to get it through Cavalarian philosophy. You're not going to get it through witchcraft. You're not going to get it through any type of divination or any type of Satanism that you can muster up on the planet Earth. There's only way, one way you're going to receive that new name. When you read the book of Revelations, chapter 14, verse 1, and it says, and lo, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion with 144 and 4,000, having his father's name written on their forehead. The scriptures tell you who those men are. Those are the ones who followed the lamb whithersoever he goeth and did all the things that were required of them, which means that you're not going to divine through witchcraft and sorcery to get that name. There's only one way to get that name, and that's through repentance. Mm-hmm. And in closing... We'll go to the book of Acts chapter 14, verse 2. I'm not sorry, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And it's a scripture that the Comcabal put in chapter earlier, which we were saving. And that is the main thing that we need to remember. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Mm. So the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is our salvation, and we must embrace it. And everything else is just window dressing. As far as those who are out there who are trying to repent in the name of Jesus Christ, understand this as we had to understand it as well. Our salvation was not in the name of Israel. Our salvation was not in our nationality. Our salvation was not going back to our ancient roots. Our salvation was not understanding the witchcraft that this man conjured across the world. Our understanding of our salvation is going to be hand in hand with our repentance. And with that, we hope that the class was edifying to the listeners, and we say shalom. Shalom.
Father. I have kept my promise. The demon is gone. Banished to the shadows along with the sorcerer who cursed us all. But evil is not so easily defeated. And I know I will have to fight again. I am a very different man now. Through all of my travels, all the things I've seen and all the things I've done, I have found my purpose. There was a time when the world was plunging into darkness. A time of witchcraft and sorcery, when no one stood against evil. That time... He's over. He's over. He's over. If you've enjoyed today's program, join us each week for another installment of From Darkness to Light, airing every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also visit us on our website, www.thebocc.com, and our YouTube page, www.youtube.com forward slash thebocc1. Once again, that address is www.thebocc.com and our YouTube page, www.youtube.com forward slash thebocc1. John chapter 3 verse 19. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.